Hi, this is Mish Hancock, and you are listening to Mishmash, a place where I get to talk to the weird, wacky, wonderful people of this world, people I adore and want to know more about. Today, my guest is Jack Grelly. Jack is an idealistic songwriter. He combines the styles of folk, traditional country, honky-tonk, and rock and roll. Hello, Jack. How's it going, Mish? Thanks, Thanks for, for being me. here. Thanks for having me. So we got to meet at the TEDx Crash Course event. You were one of our entertainers there. Tell me about the experience. I had a wonderful time. Um, it was an honor to be invited. I initially thought I was doing a TED Talk. So oh, when I when oh, I said pressure, yes, pressure, pressure. <laughs> yeah. So when I said yes to Steve's email. I instantly was like, okay, and like started kind of listening to some more TED Talks and taking some notes and thinking of what songs to incorporate. And then me and him followed up with each other and he's like, oh, no, 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 you're, oh. you're an entertainer. If you want to, if you want to talk a little bit. And I was like, so much easier. That's, that's a lot of work to do yeah. the talk part. Yeah. And also we, we tend not to just go, hey, you want to do a talk? Great. Good luck. Right, right. <laughs> we don't just like decide that you get to try to figure this out on your own. So <laughs> we would never do that. Would be that would not be responsible of us. <laughs> so uh, it ended, ended up being much, uh, much more of a thing that I'm, I'm used to, and uh, I still tried to, you know, and have a theme and connect it and speak a little bit, and um, I really enjoyed it, and still found it a little bit challenging, and still a new experience which was great. Uh, I thought everybody did a wonderful job and was really inspired by a few of the speakers uh, specifically. And um, it was it was great. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for being there. It's fun. I mean, it's, it's really our joy and passion, as you probably surmised when you <laughs> were there. We get pretty excited about it. So tell me about you. I mean, how long have you been? You're you're a musician. You are, you, this is your living, you know? I mean, tell me about where it started. What was that first inkling that said, I, I'm digging this. Sure. I've always, always loved music. Um, as a kid, my, my dad enjoys music a lot. And so we would listen to the radio and he kind of introduced me to classic rock. And I, I remember as a kid making like fake instruments with my sister and brother and kind of like writing little songs and having fun with it. And it wasn't until like middle school that my cousin started playing guitar and some other friends. And once they learned like a couple licks and a couple little things, I was like, I, I could do that too. And so about 12 years old, I started playing guitar and oh, cool. um, really digging much more into music. And since then, it's just always been I'm, I'm constantly looking for new sounds new genres and artists uh, to be inspired by and to incorporate just a little bit here and there um, and then as, as far as the path I've been on and doing more of the songwriter thing it's probably about 10 years now I, I played in all kinds of bands before that and very much the like the DIY kind of underground world is where I really was introduced to the idea that Anybody can be a musician and even go on tour and not necessarily be quote unquote a professional, but can make connections and go to another town and right. play maybe in somebody's living room or somebody's basement or this space that a bunch of people believe in and are running together that money's not the center focus. And right. instead it's community and getting people together and celebrating art and music. I love it. 
Yeah. So it's, you know, I'm constantly learning and, you know, like I said, TEDx was a, a new a new endeavor and I still work um, other jobs and stuff to keep afloat. I've Sometimes I'll do music full time, but I've, I personally find it better for myself to have other sources of income to keep music a bit more fresh and to not let the stress of the financials uh, bog down maybe the creative aspect and inspiration. Well, honestly, that's how everybody's supposed to be nowadays. You have to have multiple <laughs> streams of income. Sure. I don't think anybody can really rely. I mean, some people, but most people are not relying on one stream because there's just, there's, it's just the way of the world now. <laughs> it's just how it's gone. So tell me this, like, do you remember any of the songs that you wrote when you were a kid that you look at and think, oh my gosh, how hilarious? Uh, a little bit, but not really. I remember one was about some dog and another <laughs> one was about like magic tricks or something. Oh. It, I think it was like a short phase. Right. You know, kids get into something for about yeah. five seconds right. and move on. I think it was kind of like that. I have faint memories of it. Um, I think my brother remembers it maybe better than me. Wow. I think you should tell him to sing at the next family <laughs> gathering because that sounds kind of fun. So what, when songwriting, I'm always intrigued by songwriting. Um, it takes such a talent to be able to put words together that really create this emotional. And then you've got, you put the music in with the whole thing is just amazing to me. Uh, your experience with songwriting, I mean, does it just come to you or do you sometimes sit down and really think about it or you just get like a little inkling of a, of a thought or a phrase that you start working on or what's, what's it like? All of the above. All right. E each song for me is a different and new process. There's been very few times I've been lucky to sit down with a guitar at the same time and crank out a song in one sitting. Right. Some people write like that. Unfortunately, I don't, and it's a bit more laborious than that. Um, yeah, sometimes there's a catchy phrase or an, an idea or an experience. It might take six months to like hash it all out, eventually find like a melody. Sometimes I start with a melody, and I'll start musically really creating something, and then I'll be like, well, what's, what's this about? What am I trying to say on top of it? Because right. at the end of the day, I'm... Can consider myself more of a folk folk singer and songwriter, so it's very much about the words and the story. So, yeah, it's different every time. And patience. If I sit down and maybe spend ten minutes and it's not getting anywhere, then walk away. It's it's not not the time. Um, sometimes sitting down and really listening to lots of records, especially once I already have an idea going and listen to maybe the execution of vocals and like the meter and the time that they're singing in that maybe there's some cool nuance that they do of to just kind of push myself to change what I've done from now, the do past. Do you have like the vinyl records? Are you an audio yeah, file? Yeah. yeah okay. Absolutely. Very cool. Yeah. Yes. There's a whole thing to that. It's never gone away. Right. You know, you can still buy a record player, I believe. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. In fact, I just saw a thing. This year is the first time in decades that vinyl has outsold CDs. Um, really? I, yeah, and I, th I think it's because streaming obviously is way ahead, and you know more people are streaming music. 
But yeah, I think CDs, like I know new cars don't have CD players because of streaming. Right. And so the real music junkies, it's, I mean, vinyl is the thing that's going to last. It's more of an experience to drop that needle on it, sit down. And it sounds and more real. It. it does. I, I mean, there's I think there's, there's a, a connection that can be made through vinyl that is not as easily done through right. a, digitally. Right. You know, there's something, I don't know, raw about it. <laughs> yeah. I, I just love it. And um, then, you know, you got this big cover and maybe some liner notes. And with your phone with streaming, I mean, of course, you can Google. And you can still do that while listening to vinyl if sure. you want. But yeah, I think it's more of a, a connection with the artist and more investment into an album as opposed to a, a single or... I think nowadays with streaming, there's a lot of positives to it. But one negative I find with myself is I'll get maybe three or four songs into an album and I'm like, oh, that reminds me of this this one thing I've listened to in a long time. The next thing and you then know, you I'm go, like yeah, you jump five around. artists away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I do the same thing. It's right. like you don't really go through the whole album anymore. You kind of jump around because it reminds you of different things or all of a sudden you get an inkling like, oh, I haven't heard. I want to listen to this. And yeah, that's true. There is something to be said, though, for going through a whole album. Right. There is. Well, we're going to take a quick break. We'll sure. be right back with Jack Grelly. Okay, we're back with Jack Grelly. So you have a new, can I say album? Is that what we say now? Yep. We still yeah. say album. All right. Do you have a new album coming out? Tell us about that. So in April, I'm releasing, uh, self-releasing a new record called If Not Forever. And it will be out on vinyl. Okay. Uh, as well as CDs and all streaming platforms. Um, I'm very excited about it. Uh, recorded this one partially in Chicago with an old friend named Cooper Crane. Uh, what a great name. Right? That sounds so like music guy. Yeah, and he is. <laughs> he he's he plays in a lot of projects, but he's he's a wonderful engineer and somebody I've known for more I guess more than a decade and have never gotten to collaborate with and so it was really fun. And then finished up some of the overdubs and did some like uh strings in town, like a string section. Okay. And recorded that here in St. Louis. And yeah, I'm just excited about it. It it's definitely still songwriter based and there's some folk songs on there, but some of it's a bit more rock and roll and um, just kind of, con- you know, I'm hoping I'm always evolving and not being re- too redundant. So. How do you decide or again, is it just something that you're listening to, you're, you're writing a song and you're putting it together and then you think, I need strings in here. Yeah. Is that how it just, I yeah. need strings in here. Like it just makes sense for whatever reason. Sure. Yeah, I, I, one song on this record specifically while I was writing it, it's got like a musical kind of like bridge interlude that happens twice. And I thought like this needs to be really big sounding. And so strings definitely popped in my mind. It depends on like what records I'm into during the writing process too. There was a Leonard Cohen album I was listening to a lot at the time and there's a lot of strings and kind of avant-garde horns. Okay. And I was like, it'd be cool to incorporate kind of these sounds. In the past, I've been heavy more from the honky-tonk and country world with a lot of pedal steel and fiddles and harmonica. And there's still a taste of that in there. But um, yeah, I just wanted to expand and evolve because I'm drawn from all kinds of stuff. So, 
When you were a kid, there—I mean, a lot of us have our rebellious music. That, sure. You know, you know, mine was like punk rock. Like, right. What was your rebellious music? Did you have some? I don't think it's ended. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. We're we're um, still there. Sure. Awesome. Um, yeah. I mean, I grew up. I'm 32, so Nirvana's Kurt Cobain had already passed, but Nirvana was still hot and right. still a thing. And same with grunge. So kind of a lot of. And MTV was still kind of in its cool heyday right. for a minute when I was <laughs> yeah, a kid. Gotcha. And quickly changed by the time I was in middle school. But is so, MTV, does it still? I couldn't tell, I, yeah. Do they have music <laughs> videos still, or is it just like reality TV now? I think. I checked out like 15 years ago, I think. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I was just worried. I haven't ever thought of MTV for a while yet. So right, right. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't sure what happened with it. <laughs> so I, I, there were some things, Smashing Pumpkins and Nirvana when I was young and Red Hot Chili Peppers. Definitely in college, got very into punk and some metal, and I still enjoy a lot of that. Um, and then, like, political songwriters and stuff, I think, is often the most rebellious. So, I mean, even as simple as, as Woody Guthrie is rebellious music. And right, that's right. something I'll, I'll always listen to and check in on. Have you listened to anything recently that you thought, wow, this is interesting? Maybe something that a band most of us haven't heard of. Sure. Um, yeah. A, fr a friend of mine in Austin, Texas, Corey Baum, has a band called Croy and the Boys. And they're like a really fun honky-tonk Tex-Mex band. And they're just carrying on that dance tradition in Austin that's so great. And their newest record, he kind of pushes the content and is really addressing... Um, the socioeconomics going on with Austin changing, poor people being pushed out, uh, gentrification, um, yeah, the, the rising of rent, and just kind of critiquing the economy in the way that a lot of people are being left behind and right. forgotten about. Yeah. But he, he sings about it still with this really fun dance, honky-tonk, Tex-Mex, backbeat, and melody. So it's still in the dance halls, people are still dancing to it. But yet he's he's. But you listen to the words and you're like, whoa, wait. Yeah. There's it, there's some things going on here, you know, and it 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 is it's a concern, right? You so many cities have dealt with this, right? Where they're like they're 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 hot, people are moving in, they can start to get higher rent, the, everything starts raising, and then there's this portion of the population that's like, what's going on with my city? I can't even live in my own town anymore. Right. I can't afford it. Right. You know, I mean, and in St. Louis, I mean, we've, we feel blessed in many ways because our economy is, it's not expensive to live here. But I wonder sometimes, I'm like, I hope we don't have to, we do have to deal with urban planning. There's definitely, sure. that needs to happen for many reasons. I mean, right. we have this diverse culture that doesn't hang out with each other in many ways. You know, right. I'd like to, I'd like to see us mingle a bit more. Um, but you know, there's this talk of how we're we're becoming so techy and we're like the startup place and what have you, and what's going to be built now that's gonna be out of the price range of most of us. Right. You know, you have to wonder about that. So cool that he's addressing it, you right. know. And that's and many times the arts starts the movement, right? Like sure. hey, are you guys paying attention? Right. This is going on. Now we'll sing about it. <laughs> so yeah. that's cool. So you are from St. Louis. I am. Born and raised. Born and raised. All right. So tell us about how much do you love this city? What parts do you like the most? 
Well, I, I love the city, you know, and I think it's unfortunate that St. Louis made such a hard border with the county many years ago, and it's just this constant back and back forth. Back and forth, yes. You know? It's like it'll never get resolved. Right. So uh, I love the city very much. Um, I think we're an authentic city. I think we have everything going on that's going on um, in other cities as as far as art and culture and music and you know, whatever you're into, you can find it here and it's accessible. Um, we have that Midwestern uh, charm and kind of hospitality and friendliness. But at the same time, St. Louis has a lot of work to do. Yeah. And uh, I, I think that conversation needs to stay on the table and keep keep addressing it of history of segregation and racism and poverty and white flight and you know, as with urban planning, we still have, I mean, so much in North City is still in crumbles and abandoned. Yeah. And we need to address how to fix that, but also acknowledge the history of what led to that. And I think it's, people get defensive with addressing history and feel like they're getting backed into a corner sometimes. And it's like, you know, you know none of us need to take it personally at this point. Like, but let's just call, let's call a spade a spade. This is what happened. Yeah, right. Let's not repeat it. And how do we move on from this and fix it? Oh, I would like for us to quit repeating history. We seem to keep doing it. Yeah, especially with we the climate not, right now. We seem <laughs> not to learn from it right. at times. You know, you're like, oh, please don't do this again. This is bad for us. But and thank you. That that I I love that. That's a, that was very well said about St. Louis. We love it, but there's still things we need to do. Right. All right. We're gonna take another quick break, and we'll be right back. All right, we're back with Jack Grelly, and it's question time. Are you ready? Sure. So we were talking about traveling before we started this whole thing. Okay. And uh, I'm always intrigued when I see the the people that are traveling with their guitars. Do you travel with your guitar? Yes. Wherever you go? Not always wherever I go. I did for a very long time. I, I spent a lot of time traveling around the United States and busking on the street, being a street performer. Spent pretty much two years straight doing that. Really? Yeah. And so my guitar was always with me no matter where I went, no matter what kind of flight. And it's always an uphill battle of, no, oh, this guitar's got to come on the plane with me. And um, are you? Are you? Out. Does it give you a little bit of anxiety to put it through to... Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have endless horror stories from other friends and other musicians, but... Um, Nowadays, there's sometimes like I just went to visit my brother in the Northwest, and I played a couple of shows out there. But I was able to borrow a guitar. And okay. I, and I, you know, I, I fly and travel as cheap as possible always. So those budget airlines, especially, like to get get a guitar in there, it's probably not, not that. Well, for yeah, free. because they all have baggage fees, and I'm exactly. sure like, I have a feeling does the guitar cost more than your regular? Because the, the luggage even give you dimensions. Right. Like it has to be this by this, and then it's fifty dollars. But right. it, then it's eighty dollars. You know. So where does a guitar fit into that one? I've had people try to get me to buy an extra plane ticket to bring it on the plane to then strap it to with a seatbelt. Really? Yeah, but a lot of times they're pretty accommodating. There's been times where I've had to pay some pretty pretty large fee right at the gate, but I often just, just hope for the best and kind of just not say anything and then just walk on and be like, oh, the, 
I can't bring my guitar on the plane. And sometimes they'll be like, we can put it under almost like a stroller. Right. And then they'll bring it out with that as soon as you walk off the plane. Or well, it'll that's come nice. Off. Yeah, but it varies with every airline or whoever's working. Maybe we should so. advocate for, <laughs> we should be like advocates for stroller status for all guitars. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk traveling. Sure. Where have you been? Like what's, what's top of mind favorite place right now? Um, I've been fortunate. I've, I've gotten to travel quite a bit. I do have an affinity with Spain. I've been there quite As a few times I. now. There, I love Spain. Yeah, it's it's wonderful. I've been I've been studying the language, on and off since high school, but focusing on it more these past few years. So because of that, being able to really connect with the people with their own language is really w- rewarding and endlessly eye opening and something to learn from and mind expansive. But um, yeah, I've I just really enjoy it there. Um, I got to spend some time in South America years ago, and that was great and a, um, a unique travel experience of kind of just riding buses and backpacking around. Um, well, that that's travel travel. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. My friends were teasing me on that trip because I was gone like <laughs> two months, and they were like, when are you getting back from vacation? And I was kind of like, I don't know if I call this exactly vacation. <laughs> like, yes, I'm like... Not working as far as clocking in, right? But like um, every every day for the most part was was a challenging a work. experience yeah. and work. But it comes from a privileged position to be doing so. Um, so that w- that was really neat. Um, you know, as far as the United States, I, like I said, I was just in the Northwest, and up there's just the nature up there is just incredible. Uh, I've spent a lot of time in, in New Orleans, and I love it down there. I think it's one of a kind. Right. Um, yeah. Where's uh, next? Where's next? Uh, I'm, I'm going to Mexico next month. Oh, okay. Or this month, actually. It's All October right. 1st. So, yeah. Fun. Yeah. That'll be fun. What part? I'll be in Mexico City for a week, and then I'll be in southern Mexico um, going to language school for a few weeks. Really? Yeah. So to I'm, learn Spanish? Yeah, to continue studying and... Hopefully, with that few weeks of immersion and having uh, one-on-one lessons and some group lessons, um, hoping to just get even more conversational and. Cool. Uber yeah. drivers around that area will be great for you. Okay. That's I I use Uber drivers like a figure. I'm getting a two-for-one special because they're taking me where I need to go. Plus. You can just talk to them and sure. get a free lesson. Right. Yeah, <laughs> it works absolutely. out really well. I did that in Miami. And, you know, I kept saying, do you speak Spanish? Well, so let's help me practice. I got to practice. Um, all right. So do you have a favorite lyric? Favorite lyric of my own? Of your own oh. or anything. I mean, is there, is there, and I mean, it doesn't, maybe it's just now, right now, it's the thing you're thinking of. Right. That's a tough one. Uh, I I don't have an answer to that. Um, my answer might be kind of cheap, but I, I'm watching the the Ken Burns documentary on country music. Okay. Huge Ken Burns fan. So as soon as I heard that this was coming out, I've been so excited, and it's like 16 hours long, which I'm into. Like, yeah, give me all the information. Awesome. So the last episode I watched was on Hank Williams. It's the third episode, and they kind of really focus on the song "I'm So Lonesome I Could Cry," and it was um, what is the lyric exactly? Have you ever heard uh, a whippoorwill cry? And it's addressing 
loneliness and sadness, but equating it to birds. And at the time and everybody commenting on it of like, who, especially then like thought of that when, how, how sad are you personally that you like see a bird like chirping by itself that you're just like thinking this bird's in this depressive solitude state. And uh, they really drilled it home on this documentary of, of that opening lyric. And sometimes the opening lyric to a song sets the whole stage. And as a songwriter, sometimes once I have that opening lyric and I know it's there, I'm like, I got a song. It might take a really long time, but it's there. And so that's what comes to mind just because I watched it yesterday. Oh my gosh. Now I totally <laughs> want to watch that though. I think that's that's awesome. Yeah. You know, and and it, it's interesting and you're right on. I, I've never equated this, that you know, that opening. But um, you know, that's what we when we work with the TEDx speakers or any kind of presentation, you know, having that strong opener right. that basically people that makes people think, I gotta sit up and really pay attention. They're they're gonna say something here. Right. You know? I mean, if you're opening with, you know, hey, this is me, this is where I'm from. It's like somebody already already introduced you. Just Get me a strong opener, man. Make right. me want to really be a part of this, right. you know. That I've never thought about that, but that's an interesting thought. Thank yeah, you. Of course, yeah. Well, how can people find you? Um, jackgrelly.com. I'm on all the streaming stuff, so Jack Grelly, G-R-E-L-L-E. Looks like Grell, but Grelly <laughs> like Grelly. Kelly. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. We, I learned that the night of TEDx. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you Google me, I'm, I'm in all... Just about all all the spots. Well, so. thank you, Jack. This has been a very pleasant conversation. Thank, thank you, you very for much. your time today. Thanks for the opportunity. And everyone out there, you've been listening to Mishmash. Subscribe. Have great days. Love you. Bye. <laughs>